amen. Thank you. Let's turn it up the lights a little bit more, Luke, if you would, just a tad. It's dark out there. I don't want to go to sleep. Good morning, gang. Glad you're here. Let me first just tell you thanks for the prayers. Um, I'm doing a lot better, and I appreciate your prayers. Doctor kind of indicated with a bad back that I might need to take off until after hunting season for it to fully heal. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I'm glad that you're here. Hey, before... <laughs> Before I begin this morning, let me take a moment. I was a little late getting in, so I'm not sure what all Stu did, but uh, did you do every, Did you show the video and the whole thing? Yeah. I figured. Did you have people stand? Did you do that? Uh, I'll do that then. Okay. We were back talking, brother. Sorry. Uh, if you've served in our armed, you know, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and if you've served in our armed services, uh, we want you to know how much we appreciate you. Uh, my dad was in... World War II and many years was gone from my mama and his family, my grandparents. Sometimes we take for granted our, our freedoms and uh, we should more than just once a year say thank you, but we want to say thank you right now for sure. So if you've served, would you stand for a moment and let our people recognize you? Would you do that? Amen. Thank you. Freedom is not free. It costs many lives and uh, a lot of sacrifice by all. And we thank you, okay? Well, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to take your Bible this morning. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, okay? I hope you brought the Bible. Uh, if you grew up in church, it's called the love chapter. Uh, tell you what I want to do, leading into this holiday season, God kind of impressed upon my heart to take 1 Corinthians chapter 13, kind of do an exposition of it uh, over a, well now it's started out to be three weeks, it's going to end up being four weeks, because today I'm going to kind of do an introduction and set the stage. But I want to take what I think is an incredible chapter, kind of break it down over the course of the next three weeks. And maybe as we head into a, a, the wonderful holiday season, a time of year that we know is a busy time of year, uh, a time when there's a lot of pressure, that maybe 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and some of the things that we'll be talking about, some of the things that we'll be saying might help us to remember, just like we sang about, the most important thing in the Christian life is not performance, it's not running hither, thither, it's not programs that we're so stressed out about, it's not by providing babysitting and all of these kinds of things, which nothing wrong, they're important, but it'll remind us, I hope, that the most important thing that we've got going for us is God's love, divine love, and that's what I want to talk about uh, today and for the next three weeks after today, okay, and I hope you'll be here for that. After that, let me just tell you by, by introduction, after that, we're going to do a three-week series on Christmas, okay? We're going to look at uh, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. We'll be talking about justification. Then present, we'll be talking about sanctification. We're going to try to make a little doctrinal-type series. And then uh, Christmas future, glorification, Okay. So uh, I think we've got some good stuff in store. Let me tell you what I want. I want us just to pray. For some reason, I feel like we need to pray right now. Uh, maybe uh, maybe God called my heart a little bit, and uh, then I'll, I'll share today with you. Okay, Father, I feel anxiousness. I don't know why. 
Maybe it's because I, I'm back and I was gone. I don't know. Um, maybe because of what should be said today is uh, crucially important to the church and to Christians, to families. And maybe the enemy's trying to distract me. I don't know. Maybe distract our church today. And God, I, I just pray right now that uh, Lord will focus, I'll focus on your word that, uh, Lord, what I say will be that which is led of your Holy Spirit. It will be in accordance to your divine will as we talk about divine love. Maybe, Father, that this subject matter, so needed because so many within our church family are struggling with what love really is. We, we build in so many things that are so wrong, and we've forgotten that divine love is your love. It's without strings, without performance, without any conditions. It's based upon your grace. And so, God, I pray that today in this introduction, while a little different, I pray it'll be pertinent. Then I pray the next three weeks of exposition will be weeks that will help us to uh, afresh our minds with what love really and truly is. And I'll praise you, Father. I'll thank you for your Holy Spirit's help today as we share in Christ's name. Amen. All right, you've got your Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. In a moment, we're going to read the entire chapter. Uh, I'll share my introductions today, but I want to give you the outline that, and I don't know if you're a, a scribbler, I don't know if you write in your Bible underline, but I want to I want to give you what I feel like we need to, to, to have to break down the, the chapter, okay? The first, uh, first three verses that we'll deal with next week are conditions that must be present. When we read the chapter, when we read those first three verses, what I want you to do is I want you to be looking for the, the, the ifs in it, okay? One of the joys I get a Bible study, I don't know how you do your Bible studying, but one of the joys I get is I look for little bitty words, uh, pronouns, are good indicators of what's going on. The word if is called a condition, a conditional clause or a phrase. And anytime you see the word if, what you have to look for is if this happens, what happens because of that or what happens as a result of that, okay? And so the first thing we're going to talk about next week are some conditions that must be present if divine love is to really uh, present itself in our lives, in the life of our church, okay? The next week is verses 4 through 12, a little bit longer there, but we're going to be talking about some priorities that must be pursued, okay? Now, we have to understand it's divine love. It's not human love, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. But if you're going to love God's way, you have to understand the conditions that have to be met, but there's some priorities that you've got to give yourself to. You've got to understand that, that it's not really about you at all. It's about God. And it's about those others in your life. So we'll spend some time in two weeks talking about priorities. And then the final message, this is actually going to be the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I intended it to be before, but I tend to be long-winded, especially when I'm out a week. I tend to, to go long. And so I didn't get it in, and so it's going to be the Sunday after Thanksgiving and we're going to talk about the qualities that must be paramount, okay? And let me just give you a little tidbit. That's that last verse, verse 13. And I, I have said in, in my pulpit, and I know you've heard other preachers say, 
that, that you know, we know that, the, that, that, that love must be paramount. And, but we take those last, that last verse, we say, well, love when, will, will last for eternity. Faith goes by the wayside at some point. Hope becomes realized. But there's always love. Well, the fact of the matter is, I think I was wrong in that. Uh, because the Apostle Paul says all three of these are going to endure. That means all three of them, in some respect, are going to be eternal. Faith's eternal. Hope is eternal. But we're going to discover that love is the best. And so I think that will help us. Maybe if you're a note-taker, you can underline those divisions. Pray for me as I study. Okay, let's stand for God's Word. I know you've been standing a lot, but I, I'm not about to face God and say you sat while you read, and so I'd rather sit while we sing, okay? But not when we read God's Word. Uh, let's read the entire chapter. It's a long chapter, but it's okay. Now notice the conditions. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I'm not, see the if, but thing? That's what's going on here, okay? Verse 4, love, oh, and verse 3, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but I don't have love. It profits me nothing. It's vanity, he says. It's, it's empty, okay? Now, verse 4 is a, is a change. There's a little contrast here. Verse 4, love then is patient. It is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. In other words, it doesn't keep a ledger. We'll talk about that. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness. We ought not to get excited about the, 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 the judgment that falls on those who are wicked. That ought not thrill us at all. But it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. And then verse 8 summarizes, love never fails. Now, if there's gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there's tongues, they're going to cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. When the perfect comes... The partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. And then the last major summary of it all, conclusion. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. And my dear people, 
if I can somehow, over the course of the next three to four weeks, get across to you the importance of, the strategic importance of love and the priority of love, not from the input of humanity, but from God's divine revelation, divine love, then I can tell you, your church will be a better church. I can tell you men that you'll be a better daddy and a better husband. Wives, you'll better be a better mama and wife. And we'll be better believers in Jesus who must represent Christ in a world that's very dark. Let's go ahead and be seated. Let me, let me share some thoughts with you this morning. Just kind of share my heart with you, okay? Some might call this Tom's rambling, and that's okay. But I believe it's what God would have me say to you. And gang, I believe this. I believe that humanity, and sadly, I believe the church today, has a skewed definition of love. We humanize what the Bible shows is divine, and we set aside what we should live as divine. All you got to do is read the papers. All you got to do is watch TV, look at your community, and listen, when you humanize that which is divine, then love becomes skewed. Love becomes perverted. Love becomes damning. And love destroys instead of builds up. We tend to take something so beautiful and we build around it our own ideas. We build around it our own, give it our own definitions. We, we build into it our man-made philosophy and traditions. And not that traditions are bad, but sometimes traditions are nothing more than man's ideas, man's imaginations. And it doesn't come anywhere close to what the Bible says true love is. Several years ago, my wife and I traveled overseas to see our son. Most of you know he's a missionary overseas. And we picked up Jeff and our family, and we decided that we would drive to Budapest. And in the course of that, we went through a, a country called uh, Serbia, an incredible, beautiful country. And in Serbia, they have a main center in, the, in, a, in a, one of the big towns. So we decided that we would stop off there and, and sightsee, and we came across an incredibly beautiful building, a stately building, probably the very center of the old town there. But the problem was that they had, because they were going to renovate it, they had established scaffolding all around. Now, it's not scaffolding like we had metal and all that, but it was wood scaffolding. And so from the ground all the way up to the top of this thing, there was this incredibly beautiful building, but it was, it was obscured because of scaffolding. We couldn't really get... I told Paula, gosh, that's so pretty. It's so gorgeous. But I just can't quite see it. It distorted the beauty and the reality of it. Now, beloved, I believe that we erect human scaffolding made up of our ideas, not God ideas. Our philosophies, not God's truth. I believe that we erect scaffolding that I'm going to call religion around God's truth, the church, and it obscures transformational truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ is transformational truth. It transforms a life. 
Love is the embodiment of the gospel. And you see, the gospel is to change people's lives now and for eternity. But when you obscure it, all you have left is human definitions. And then you get what we got in our society today. You get what we got in our churches today. When you take away divine love, you get perversion. Now listen to me. You get perversion. You get lust. You see perversion in sexuality. Have you ever known a time in the history of these United States of America where sexuality has been more perverted than now? Never have I seen the speed of that. Never have I seen executives and justices, legislators, governors change the definition of what real love is is. Even our state, our attorney general, I read this past week, is looking to maybe redefine the whole constitution. Instead of love being between, a marriage being between a man and a woman, it's between two people. What does that mean? It means that you take God's word and you set aside God's word and you build into it your own ideas. And when you take God's divine love and set it aside, jettison it, and you put into it man's idea, you get what we got. You get perversion of sexuality. Then you begin to have perversion of the sanctity of the unborn. My goodness, folks. Everybody's on this bandwagon about woman's rights. Well, maybe she ought to say no to some guy, you see. Because nobody, or very few, are standing, the church is not even standing up and say, what about the baby? If we believe that life begins at conception and we believe that, don't we? Yeah. If we believe that, then why isn't somebody? Listen, this isn't a slap on people who have made mistakes. This is not even a slap on the homosexuals. We understand, if anybody should understand sin, we should. But why isn't the church standing up and saying there's something about the, the dignity of an unborn baby that's being misplaced because of convenience? Why? Because divine love is set aside and man perverts the sanctity of the unborn. There's a perversion of the dignity of elder life. Guys, do you realize what's going on in some of this new health stuff that's going to, what they want to do? One of the main architects of it is a guy who has made the statement that when you get about 60 or a little over 60, your, your value to society is over. I hate that. I know I'm a little old. But I hate to think that my value to society is gone. They're saying things like, I shouldn't get a knee replacement. Or a hip replacement. Do they give back replacements? And so what happens, the dignity, the, the, the dignity of elder life begins to be set aside. Somebody else who has jettisoned God's word begins to make decisions about your life and my life based upon their set of values, which is a perversion of God's values because they no longer believe or trust in 
God's Word. Then you have perversion of man's greatest creation, of God's greatest creation, and that is man. And so you see, when we erect human scaffolding, when humans say, it's my way, then we lose God's way. And love dies. The church suffers. We lose our distinctiveness. And we become just like the world all around us. And the Bible calls that sin. When you study the Old Testament... Do you know what the greatest picture of God's presence and power was? It was the temple, wasn't it? And because man perverted the temple, what did God do? And he he wiped it out. He destroyed it because it was becoming more important than God. Let me ask you. Why would God not judge a nation who has perverted what divine love really is. Let me, let me give you a verse. I, in my morning, I don't know how you do your morning times. Uh, you're quiet. You do have one, don't you? Amen. Okay, better. You have a ward on your nose. Uh, I, I get up and I type into my computer. I have a little computer journal. Then I have an Old Testament, Psalm, Proverbs, and New Testament. Last week I read uh, Exodus 33, and then I moved to Psalm, and it should have been Psalm 16, but somehow I messed up, which is not unusual, and I, and I read Psalm 33. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm not even supposed to be reading that today. But here's what I wrote. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Oh, dear people, when a group of people turn from God, we lose the blessing of a nation. Our problems are not economic. Our problems are not military. Our problem is a spiritual problem. And for some reason, we just have trouble trusting God. We have trouble trusting the Holy Spirit. And so we invent our rules of religion. We talk about the Spirit a lot, but we forget that He's holy. He doesn't need us to be a sergeant at arms. He just wants us to follow the dictates of the Word of God, which is to be holy and faithful and loving. And when we turn from that, the most distinguishing characteristic of a believer in Christ, God's divine love, is lost. We do, we humanize divine love. And so instead of being givers, we become takers. And when you study God's word, love is giving, not taking. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved the world, he gave. What does Romans 5.8 say? God what his love to us? Demonstrated. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for that. This past week as I... Um, was forced by the doctor to stay at home. Um, I, I did what preachers do. I stayed home, studied a lot, read a lot, prayed a lot. And I knew what the subject was going to be for the next several weeks. And I, I thought back in my life about what, what uh, real love is and some of the demonstrations of real love that I received from my family. I want to tell you a story about me, okay? Um, 
And I'll just be as honest as I know how. I know this is going to shock some of you because you probably never knew I was a bad guy. Uh, but let me just tell you a picture of my life. When I, um, when I went to college, uh, you know, I don't know, you, some of you have been to college know that when you go to college for the first time in your life, you can do anything you want to do because mom and daddy's not looking at watching you. You know what I'm talking about? And you, all of a sudden you have all this time on your hand. You never had time. I never had time before. I had to go to this class, this class. Well, man, if you schedule it right, you know, you don't have to go to class but one day a week, you know. Of course, you fail, but, I mean, you can do that. Well, a group of us guys got together one morning, and we decided that we were too smart to go to class. And so, and, you know, we just kind of got together and said, what do you guys want to do today? And they said, well, let's go play golf. And I said, well, you know, that's educational. Let's do that. And, uh, but we didn't, have, we didn't have some golf balls. We didn't have this or that. So we decided that we'd go to a store in Ruston. I went to Louisiana Tech, and uh, they didn't have Walmart back then, but it was a store that had a little bit of everything. And so we went to the store, and uh, we were looking at I, I was looking at a golf glove. I needed a golf glove. You know, there was all of three bucks probably then. And a guy, one of my friends came up to me and said, hey, man, nobody's watching. Stick it under your shirt. And I thought, I don't need to do that. He said, listen, man, it's cool. It's free. So I looked around, no one was looking. So I uh, took a golf glove and stuck it in my shirt and started to walk out the door. By the time I got almost to the door, somebody tapped on my shoulder. And, of course, you know, my friends, they, you know, it shows you what kind of friends I had, guys I hung with. And he said, do you have something under your shirt? I didn't know what to do, but I, I said, yeah. He said, come with me. So he took me to the office, and the boss came in, and uh, he gave me two options. Number one, I could call my parents, or he'd call the police. That's not really good. Either, neither one of those are good options, I'm telling you. <laughs> but I had enough sense as a freshman in college to know if he calls the police, I figure my parents are going to find out anyway, you know. So anyway, I... Uh, we called mom and dad, and uh, uh, he let me go, and that night I, uh, in my dorm, I tried to go to sleep, and I couldn't, and I remember about, uh, it's about an hour drive home, and I, I remember uh, calling my dad, and I said, dad, I, I got to come talk to you, and he said, well, come on. And I don't know if it was 12 or 1 o'clock what it was, but I tell you, I, I remember, oh, I remember how hard a drive, what an embarrassment it was. And I remember walking to my daddy and mommy's bedroom. And I remember walking around to the side of my dad's bed. My dad was a good guy. He was a World War II guy, so, you know, he didn't hoop and holler just a whole lot other than to tell us to straighten up. But he wasn't real emotional. Love word wasn't really used just a whole lot. But I remember laying my head over my daddy's chest and doing what you do when you're broken. Daddy, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget my dad reaching over, placing his hand on my head. And he said, Tom, I'm not happy with you right now. And he said, I'm not proud of what you did. But here's what I want you to know. Number one, you're my boy, and you'll always will be. Number two, Tom, I love you the way God loves. And he said, you go back, and you go back to school, and you do what's right. 
And I want you to know something. As I study God's scriptures about what it means to be a Christian and love the way we're supposed to love, as I have worked back through 1 Corinthians 13 to give you some things over the next several weeks, that moment in my life when I laid my head on my daddy's chest and he put his hand on my head and he says, you're my boy. I love you no matter what. That helped me take God's scripture and realize that love, if it's done right, must be divine love. And anytime I try to put into it my ideas, or anytime a church tries to put into it her ideas and erect these scaffoldings around God's divine truth, gang, we fail every single time. I believe these next three weeks. I realize it's a busy time of year, but I believe these next three weeks will be worthy of your time. And I believe it'll be worthy of your investment to see what the Bible says about real, godly, divine love. Okay? Now, I, I want to tackle one thing because I don't want to have to deal with it next week. Okay? I think we have to ask ourselves, why did Paul, under the inspiration of the Lord, why did Paul put 1 Corinthians 13 right here in this spot instead of anywhere else in the letter? Okay? And I want to address that for a moment, and then we'll be through. The reason he did is because the church at Corinth did what every church through history has done, built human ideas into love. They, we, we tend to take the central truth, which is the gospel of the Lord Jesus, which is God's love to us, and, and build all kinds of distractions around it. Okay? When, you, when you read Paul's letter, you find a young church that had everything wrong imaginable taking place. It's an amazing thing. Uh, one of the reasons my, my uh, young men's mentoring group is studying 1 Corinthians is because we're going to deal with everything a church can ever deal with. They struggled with unity. They struggled with divisions. They struggled with religious festivals. They struggled with the Lord's Supper. They struggled with marriage. They struggled with sin issues. They struggled with the end times. One of the most troubling areas that Paul had to deal with was the issue of pride in the church. Paul had talked to them about this amazing thing called grace and how God's grace had come and, and, and pulled them out of rank paganism and pulled them into the church and that God had sovereignly given to them spiritual gifts to help them. But the problem was the spiritual gifts had become a source of pride in their life. They began to rank themselves. Well, I've got this and it's better than that and you've got that. You're not as important to me. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul takes that whole issue of spiritual gifts and the whole issue of pride in those gifts, and he deals with it. 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about what the gifts are and how they were given. In 1 Corinthians 14, he, he talks about the use of the gifts, how they're to be used. But he had to insert one chapter, this love chapter, to talk about the Spirit and the attitude of these gifts. He lets them know, and I want you to know, that, that spiritual gifts are powerful abilities given sovereignly to us 
by God to be used in the church. However, any time they're not used in the context of love, any time it becomes a source of pride or a source of a position, then it becomes damning. It becomes divisional. It can and literally destroy the spirit of the church. He says it has to be used in the context of divine love or it means nothing. It's futile. It's empty. He'll tell them if you don't use your gift in the context of love, the value of God, then you become like all the rest and there is no glory to God and there's no profit to the church. By the way, let me tell you something. Every time Paul in the New Testament addresses spiritual gifts, every time he always places it within the context and the priority of love. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he, as he begins to get into 13, he says, hey, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Spiritual gifts are important. They're important for you to use. It's important for the glory of the church. It's important for the glory of God. But I'm going to show you something even better than spiritual gifts. That's love. When he's through with 13, when he goes into chapter 14, he says, hey, let me tell you, out of all these gifts, there's one thing you need to do, pursue love. In Romans 12, when he talks about spiritual gifts, he says, love should be without hypocrisy. It should not be fake. It should be real. It should be genuine. I want to tell you something, guys. If God's going to continue to bless this church, Indian Springs Baptist, we better be genuine in our love. I don't care about the lights. In fact, they're too dark. I don't care about the first service music. It's too old. And I don't care about the second service music. It's too young. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I don't care about all these programs we got. We run with our tongues hanging out sometimes. What's going to determine the blessings of God upon our life is if we do it in the context, not just of love, but divine love. That people know we're genuine, that people know we're real, that we don't have a pretense. And if we will be genuinely, divinely loving in our actions, in our attitudes to the community, God will take care of filling the chairs. God will take care of giving us teachers. God will take care of giving us kid workers and youth workers. The biggest detriment to church today, I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about church today, is that churches forget that they must love as Jesus loves. That we don't put conditions on people that we accept them the way they are, still having godly standards that come to us from the Scriptures. When we abuse divine love, instead of the church being an organism, the church becomes an organization. And organizations are doomed to fail. Now let me close with a thought. And we're Oh, we're out. We're going to beat the Methodists to the white meat today. Let me, let me share one thing, and then I'm through. Do you remember when you were a kid reading Jonathan Swift's classic, Gulliver's Travels? Do you remember that? It was, I think there was even a, wasn't there a, a movie and all that? Let me tell you something he wrote. Listen to what he wrote. He said, we have just enough religion 
to make us hate one another, but not enough to make us love one another. Did you hear that? And this is just, that's a secular book. It's just a classic book. We have just enough religion to make us hate one another, but not enough to make us love one another. Here's my prayer over the next three or four weeks. My prayer is that as we tear apart 1 Corinthians 13, that God's going to force you, the Holy Spirit is going to force you to evaluate your life and your relationships. Okay? My prayer for our church is that every husband and every wife will be forced because of the holy scriptures of God. They'll be forced to evaluate the relationship they have with their spouses. And they'll be forced to evaluate the relationship they have with their kids. And the kids will be forced to evaluate the relationship they have with their parents. My prayer is that every member of every Indian Springs Baptist Church will be forced to evaluate the relationship we have with each other here and where our relationship is strong or weak with God. I'm so thankful that God never expects us to be big and strong, to be handsome or pretty, to be intellectually above the norm. I'm glad, gang, that God, when he looked at me, didn't evaluate me based upon my height or my gut or my brain capacity or my speaking or nothing. I'm glad that he looks at me based upon whether I can love. And I believe this, that if we love God's way, if we learn what it is, and if we love God's way, Indian Springs Baptist Church will be fine long after I'm gone. It'll be fine through all the years as we await the return of the Lord Jesus. I believe your marriages will be better. I believe your homes will be sweeter. And I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ will be shared freer in the context of our influences, whether it be school or work, whether it be in our community, whatever it be. I'm telling you the most important thing we got going for us is divine love. And we need to know what it is. We need to make some applications. And we need to, we need to exert it. We need to love as a verb. We need to love it and live it, okay? Well, that's all I got today. I knew it was going to be a little short, and, um, but that's all I got. Let's, let's pray together, okay? And Stu, why don't you come, and we'll take a moment. Um, I don't know what God has spoken to you, maybe not. Maybe nothing, but maybe something. I don't know if you have a decision to make. Uh, if you do, we'd give you this opportunity. But we're going to pray for Stan for just a moment. And... Uh, then we'll leave. Father, I love you, and I, I thank you that uh, God to be chosen has nothing to do with ability on our end. It has nothing to do with 
qualifications of humanity. It has to do with your choice, and I thank you for that. God, I pray. I'm excited, I think, about this study. God, I don't know that I can handle it the best, but I, I want to try my best to really get real, for us to get real in this issue of divine love. Because we need, there's families need some healings. There's people's lives who need to be encouraged and loved. And we're the people of God. And we're to do that. So help us over these next few weeks. Now today, God, there may be some who, uh, who need to make a decision or something going on. Or maybe just to pray. Uh, and so God, I, if you have something here, that's fine. We love you, Father. Let's stand together, if you would.